All right, we're at it. It's unscripted. Welcome in. My name is Timothy Lindsay. Aaron McLaughlin is here. We've got our friend Lorraine Connell. Lorraine Yay. Connell is uh, one of the brilliant people that Aaron knows from her history of education. And we're bringing in Lorraine to talk about uh, the leadership group that she has established with students to edify them and have them be leaders in their community. And um, outside of that, unless you want me to read the lunch specials, I'm going to shut up and let you ladies drive. Yeah. We joked oh. about that earlier. I would be the kid. We joked about the fact that uh, because you're both, uh, Aaron's got a Teachers, history of yeah. teaching. Lorraine still teaches. And I was historically always the kid that got his desk dragged up to the teacher's desk, which I did on purpose in the sixth grade because yeah. I was deeply and emotionally and probably in a million other ways in love with Stella Carey. Who, if, oh, she, if she's still with us, I think she is. So, I'm, gonna just, I'm gonna take this moment to think about Stella. You guys can. You guys. Can all right. So, um, you were. <laughs> so, note to all teachers: the what? kid who wants to sit next to you might actually be in love with you. I th I think I told you this story, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have had. I'm sure you guys have kids that bring you more no. than just an apple, and they're no. head over heels. And, you don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I maybe I told you the story, Aaron. Maybe I didn't. In, in so she was sixth grade Parker School, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And we knew it was her birthday. And I, I think, God help us, it was probably a boombox because that was then and this yeah, is now. Yeah, of course it um, was. The kids are like, what You're is a cassette tape? Yeah. Yes. And oh, um, yeah. she was a massive Michael fan. I've always loved Michael Jackson. And, uh, and I knew she loved Michael. So for her birthday, we, we knew we were going to have quiet study. And I had one of my friends, I believe it might have been Maddie Rivard, uh, hit the play button in his desk. <laughs> and I stood up and I danced to Billy Jean for her. Yeah, you did. And, and, and did lip sync. You you Everything you're imagining, as horrible as it could have been, was in real life in sixth grade Parker School, Chelmsford, Massachusetts, for Stella Carey. I'm going to keep saying her name and I'm, I'm, I'm going to will adorable. it. Adorable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've, um, I mean, I've had students give me like things like, like, you know, diamond rings that they took from their oh. mom. <laughs> you know, I, I had a, kid bringing a dead cat once oh um all right yeah it's because a... she wanted to show it to everyone mm -hmm. okay and it yeah and her parents did not know it was in her backpack show and smell as opposed yeah, to show yeah, and yeah. tell i want to bring that? my yeah. kitty into school mm. yeah um but no i never had anybody dance for me yeah no i we did a dance production at my school a couple of years ago we did a dance with the staff it was um fun it was really yeah we had students choreograph for teacher couples that came together and then we did a big production and i would say that was one of my early leadership opportunities where yes empowered students to to be the choreographers for us and man did that take a whole lot of risk <laughs> right to ask them to create something yeah. and and for me what? to get up on stage in front of like the entire community, I mean, the house was packed, packed. Was what awesome. grade is this? One of my favorite memories. And actually my, we did it twice. And my choreographer was a freshman when we did it the first year. And she was instrumental um, in, in creating that. Um, so she was the, the choreographer for me and my partner the first time. And then when we did it two years later, mm. my partner was like, no, I'm not gonna do this again. Of course, my <laughs> husband's like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and she did it for me again. So we have like this awesome memory of <laughs> experience that will forever be ingrained in my house. Yeah. Uh, so you have been this whole sort of, there's a lot of co- conversation just in general about diversity and opportunity and equity. And um, when I think about your work with peers, not fears, and you could talk a little bit about that, tell Mm. us what that's about. Um, I really feel like that's in line with with sort of the movement that's happening right now um, in our community um, and all over the country around um, leadership and equity opportunities. And um, you're working with kids and now teachers right? To have these conversations. So that's kind of evolving over time. Um, So tell us a little bit about what, what your, where your work started and um, what your work's about. Yeah. um, As I was listening to some of your other podcasts, I I was interested in how you like um, are pursuing people who are interested in moving from their normal everyday job into Mm -hmm. something that is way outside of their, yeah. And pursuing their passion. Yeah. Um, so by day, I am a chemistry teacher, and by night, <laughs> I am a just tell me there's not, <laughs> just tell me there's no quiz. There's yeah, no, quiz. Right. No, no quizzes, quiz. no, no quiz. chemistry quizzes, because we both fail. Yeah. No, but that I mean that is where it all started for me. I um, chemistry's hard. I mean, you both are reacting the way most people react when I say I teach. Like, oh, how could you? And that's like. <laughs> for me is upsetting because I love, 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 love chemistry. And if I can change that opinion in one or two people, then I'm happy. And I always tell my students, I'm like, you may not love chemistry when you leave, but you won't hate it. (laughs) Big promises, big promises. That's right. So, um, typically kids go through their academic career and you know, you've got these kids who can just like sort of fly by the seat of their pants and maybe they just like wing their tests and they do really well. And then they come to chemistry and the brakes are on and they're like, what? I can't just wing this. I have to actually study. And like it's 10th grade, maybe 11th grade. And they don't, they don't have any study skills because they haven't had to. So I I empower my students by providing them opportunities. For example, I tell them to create a study guide that they can use on their test. You might call it a cheat sheet, but I call it a study guide. Because, you know, they write down, and I'm like, put whatever you want on there. Write down all the problems we did, write them all down. And then what they say to me is like, they turn it in because I collect them. And I'm like, and they say, you know what? I, I didn't even use this. And I was like, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you studied. Um, right, right. Like it's tricky studying. Right. Yeah. right. Create so, your so, cheat sheet and you won't need it. You won't need it. And you know, yeah. like that's so empowering to right. like say, I created this and I just didn't need it. Whoa. Yeah. And then I did this crazy thing in 2013. I went to a conference in Minneapolis I think Minnesota maybe somewhere in the, you know the I've never been there so and, they're the same place um, right I think so yeah um and I went America to- loved it loved it <laughs> yeah. 
The conference was um, Flipped Classroom. And actually, if you Google WMUR Flipped Classroom, you might see the news of Miss Lorraine Connell doing her Flipped Classroom in 2013. Um, and basically, um, the model is kids watch me teach at home, and then they come to school and we do the work in school that would typically be the homework. And like most people, when you're doing hard things, you'd rather be with the person who can really support you. Mm. And they're finding, you know, uh, I don't know how to help you on this. So we, we flipped it, hence the name flipped classroom. Also, if you Google me on YouTube, you might come across my chemistry videos, um, which are still really relevant. And as we are in remote teaching right now, any mm -hmm. teacher can utilize mine. And they're, they're not better than Khan Academy, but they're a little more like relative and down. She's saying they're better. It's okay. Keep going. It's, it's okay. You I might. Can I might. You no, know, they're not better. <laughs> It they've got really your special rough. sauce on them. Yeah, they, they've got the really special it sauce. Was rough in 2013, the technology <laughs> was not what it is right now. No, right. So that's that's. I mean, like that's an important thing to sort of know. Like you've been playing around with this stuff for a few years, and um, you've gotten through the pain, right? So you've yes. you're in a place to actually support other educators that are, yeah, yeah which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't use the flipped approach all the way anymore. I more sort of like use it as a, a side work, you know, like, so if you're struggling, you can go watch my videos mm. and really get what you did in class. Um, and then I was offered an opportunity to work with students on leadership in the school. And through that work, I just found my passion. I really found my passion. And I came to Erin, I think it was in August, maybe late August. Yeah. Broken, sad person because I didn't know how I was going to do my leadership anymore. Yeah. She said, you have a really amazing idea that's so timely and so important right now. And when I talked to her, like she could see that my light was shining. I yeah excited I was like my passion was literally coming out of me yes yes <laughs> and Erin harnessed that and she said hey I want you to do this thing it's going to be hard but I think it's really important that you do it I want you to write down 200 things that if I were to meet you in five years you would be doing and classic was, coaching question by the way yeah. <laughs> it was hard but it was amazing so hard. Yeah. it was a everything sort of like became really clear for me so in August when we met and I did that 200 thing mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to pursue giving leadership to and really it was important to me that it's available to everyone mm -hmm. maybe if you think about it you might come to this realization that I only recently came to came to leadership is a privilege yes and we don't provide leadership training to everybody and, yes and that hurt preach sister <laughs> I was like why 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 don't don't people become leaders I mean even if you 
don't become a CEO. You are a leader. You're a leader of your own life. Mm-hmm. You have to lead yourself somewhere. <laughs> or nowhere. Or and nowhere. Then that's, that's a pretty rough alternative, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and at the very least, many of us will become parents. And there is no there is, yeah, more important leader than a parent. So yeah. we say every day, whether you're leading or not leading, you're leading, right? Somebody's watching whether it's somebody yes. that you influence in, in your workplace uh, or certainly if you have short people at home, your kids are watching, you know, everything. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's social media too. I think, uh-huh. you know, we think about, um, you know, what are we putting out there for content and how is that influencing people and how are we leading people and, um, you know, not maybe to buy crop tops and, you know, a certain type of sneaker. I look great like, in that, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, what are you inspiring people to think or how are you shifting their brain or, you know, um, and there's actually a ton going on around that right now. How is social media being used to influence people's thinking incrementally over time? And is that impacting you know, this opportunity for leadership or is it the opposite, right? So probably could be going both ways depending on what you're consuming. Well, Um, yeah, when you think about content just and and everyone is creating it now, right? Because Mm -hmm. TikTok put it in everybody's hands and whether you were doing that on Instagram or whatever the case may be, uh, if you're doing a podcast, if you're doing any sort of media, most most school systems, most workplaces now are, are getting through to their students and their clients and their their personnel through some form of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, we talk about it all the time here is, are you doing lean in content or lean back content? And it usually is a good, it's a good balance of both because there's going to be the long form class. Well, you're not necessarily lean back. I don't think anybody wants to be on camera with their, <laughs> with their, with their boss watching that they're leaning back, but the lean back content, that's where it becomes a slippery slope because we're giving them content that they're going to sit back and take in. It's more, it's more infotainment uh, at the right, same time. Right. It, can, it can be very sedentary and it's not drawing them into action where that lean, that lean in content is it's a quick hit. Uh, it's, it's grab and go and get into activity, get into action as opposed to, and to Aaron's earlier point, like the, a lot of the content that we're sending out right now is entertainment and it just leads to the next video. And there's no commonality. There's no thread pulling them to this destination of improvement or growth. It's just like, it's just the next video. I went from one guy jumping off a roof into a snowbank and this guy's eating a Tide Pod. Like there's nothing, that's not where we want to go, you know? And we want to make sure that we're putting out the product that we want to lead people back to leadership, which not, yeah, not everybody earns that right. It's really funny how people can feel, well, that's really exclusionary when when we define that some people are a part of this class and some people aren't. Well, you have to opt in. You have to raise your hand. Right. You have to want to be a leader, not just like, well, you hit this certain, you know, every company has, well, you hit this production rate. So you're now in this group. Well, it doesn't mean that they should be teaching a class. It doesn't mean that they should get the red badge of courage, like, or anything like that. It's just like they they could be because they they're in this category where they could raise their hand. And if they opt out of that, or they decide they don't want to do that, doesn't make them, doesn't make them not a leader. They're just not a leader for this moment. Right. Or maybe they need something like tools, right? And that's yeah. where I think, you know, that's what, when I listen to Lorraine talk about the things that she's created, um, based on a lots of trial and error, 
Mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, um, with student guinea pigs, <laughs> you know? um, and seeing what resonates for kids and what doesn't and, and, um, and how to move them forward. Um, you know, there are tools that some of us have based on our environment, based on our socioeconomic, uh, yeah. you know, just, <clears throat> our you know, yeah, you know, so like that whole piece, um, you know, the kinds of conversations, the places that we go, you know, I think about my, my kids, when I was a teacher years ago, um, me having a relationship with the public library to have them come and give the kids library cards at our school, mm -hmm. because they didn't, they didn't have homes with vehicles. So they weren't going to the public library. The only library they had was our library in our school. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it to that level, um, that's access. Right. So, you know, we're in a place now where we can create access for everyone. So like, what does that look like for your leadership and how has that kind of evolved over the last few months? Yeah. So I, um, I decided through my conversation, again, Erin has guided me in such a developmentally way. Like she was like, why don't you make an online module or an online program that's mm. easily accessible to anybody at any time and <clears throat> relatively affordable. So um, when she said that, it was like all I needed. I was, I was on the ground running and I had all of these ideas swirling around in my head and I finally had an opportunity and a reason to, mm. to write them down. So I, in my years as that leadership coach at my school, I was always writing what I was doing down. There was no real curriculum. It was like, sort of like, what's happening now? Let's do this. Um, so I took all of those ideas. I took all of those notes and I developed modules. So it's 10 modules. The first module is free because I'm so sure that my program will help everyone, that I want you to at least experience that first module. And the first one is goal setting, getting- I thought you were gonna say chemistry. I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah, tapping, chemistry. Out. I'm I'm tapping out. out early. I gotta I'm go, out. I gotta go. get that thing. I get that thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's it free because it's chemistry. It's, <laughs> right. it's free because I know you need it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. It includes Aaron's um, coaching strategy of 20, 200 things, except as a, as a teenager or a young adult, like yeah. things is, is outside of their realm. Um, so it's I, a lot of stamina you need for it that. Is. Yeah. So I asked them to go for 20 and if 20 is super easy to challenge them to go to the next level 50 and yeah. then 100 or 200, depending, because really I, I geared it towards high school mm. as I was creating it, I was realizing this is really valuable for any age. And then I was opened up to an opportunity in Philadelphia um, where they are struggling with millennial health. Um, I guess the millennial generation is um, some of the sickest in physical and mental health. Mm. Um, in at this age, Ever. compared to any generation. And mm. honestly, in thinking about the challenges that are facing the millennials, I, d I don't see a change happening in the, in the generations to come. Mm. Like, I think it's, it could potentially get worse as we go down. Yeah. Um, because if I don't, as a parent, have the skills to support right. 
children, I'm not going to give them the skills and then they're going to not have the skills and it's going to continue down. So with this millennial challenge, it's called the Well City Challenge, and I'm really excited. Um, I put a proposal in. Um, it's sustainable. The idea of what I want to do is I want a group of millennials to go through my training. Then they would be facilitators for the entire millennials culture in Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's not we're not limited to Philadelphia having this problem. I think it's- No, this is everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's sustainable. It doesn't really cost anything. Mm. It's the materials that you might need. It's transition online. It can be done in person. It can be done social distancing. And so there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity there. So, and then what was really funny was my dad, who's 70 years old, says to me, hey, Lorraine, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know how you got here. You know, I, I can look generations ahead of me and behind me and like my dad's generation, woof, they were, they were very racist. And I, he's like, I kind of, I, I think I might be a little racist, you know, poor guy. That's what your dad said? Yeah. And he's like, I think I'm getting better. I think I'm getting better. And he's like, I look at you. Like, I didn't teach you these things. How come you're so like moving in this direction? And then at your, your children or, you know, my kids Mm -hmm. and wow, what a different generation. He goes, I really think the stuff that you're doing is really better for my generation. And I was like, huh, I love you, daddy, but I don't think your generation really wants to learn. Well, you know, I wonder though, if, if that's true though, I think that, you know, we, Tim and I have had opportunity to be part of some large conversations around diversity and racism within our company during our day job. And, um, I think that there's a blind spot that has a big shining light on it right now Mm. that many people just didn't realize was there. And so, you know, I wonder if your dad isn't, isn't onto something that there is, that there is a group of people in their seventies who are saying, I never thought about this, this way. And now that you're pointing it out, yeah, I'm not comfortable with this and I want to learn more and I want to do better. Uh, I mean, I, I, maybe I just think that all people are truly, you know, once we give them information, they're going to do the better thing. Um, but I, I do think that that's, there's probably opportunity there. There is. And actually, as I was thinking about that conversation, I was thinking about how powerful it's going to be. I've created some activities where these teenagers are doing, um, observations and listening of, other generations Mm. and having that conversation. And I thought to myself, wow, I think my dad would learn so much more from my children, my 13 and 10 year old. Yeah. Good from, from me. Um, But I also think that there are opportunities for me to create some of these activities for his generation. And and it doesn't, it doesn't really need a whole lot of effort from my part because a lot of these activities are really easily adjusted to age. Um, and I could make a, a product for 
that age group as well. Yeah, I mean, well, if we talk about racism in sort of a broader way, right, just um, as we're drilling down and defining what that means, um, I, I think there are people who don't even understand what that means to be racist. So I think that that piece is defining what it is and and or recognizing that there might be a problem or not recognizing that there might be a problem, that that all plays into it, right? That yeah. this whole idea of systemic, right? Like yeah. or privilege. Um, I've heard some very interesting conversations around the idea of privilege um, and what that actually means. Um, and for some people, just that word doesn't make sense to them right? Like they, like, what are you talking about privilege? I grew up with nothing, you know? And then it's, it's sort of your level of nothing, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, as I was, I was doing some of my own work. um, I will tell you that the book, I don't have it in front of me, but the um, me and my white supremacy like that, there's some hard work in there, but that Mm. is amazing process to go through. And I remember I remember I can clearly see myself sitting on my couch saying, but like I worked hard. I, I did work hard to get where I am. And then I realized, sure, but all of those things that were not in my way made it a lot easier to work that hard. And, um, and like just sort of stepping back and saying, okay, okay. So yeah, I, I worked hard, <laughs> but I didn't have any hurdles. I didn't have any real challenges. So my hard is not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's, you know, if we're talking about just race, um, you're, you can't change your race. No. Right. So if that's, if there's a systemic problem that you're up against, right. So we got to change the system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so because well, I think I think the way we the way in which we exist in it, I'm just thinking back to if you you know Lorraine's talking about her dad, you know, uh, my parents. We just lost my dad. He was 77. My mom's 74. And that whole generation, you know, mm-hmm. just speaking for my folks, I think that entire generation, when you thought about racism, it was very black and white. And I mean that. Yeah. That's what I'm literally yes. now when you go to, and I'm just thinking of some friends that I visited most recently out in San Diego and every part of the city has its different town, Koreatown, Chinatown, mm-hmm. Malaysian town, uh, Haitian town, like, and, and that was not a thing before it was like, there were, there was the, 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 the white people and the black people. And now there's such a massive diversity and, and it, we're so much more of a melting pot than we, and we've used, I think we've overused that word when we weren't really a melting pot. I think now we are, right? Because it, because I, I think people get lost, like when, you know, and I'll, I'll pick on my, my Uncle Bobby. He's the uh, grumpy guy from um, Christmas Vacation who steps out on the front step at the end of the movie and says, that's not the Christmas star. It's the light in the sewage treatment plant. That was my Uncle Bobby, angry at everything, right? And I think he would watch baseball right now and just see, uh, you know, quote unquote, a bunch of black players, but there's a Cuban and a Dominican Right. And right. how are we defining by color or, or by state of origin? Right. And, and, and getting lost in that. And I think it's so different. The conversation's so different. And growing up in an environment where my kids would identify, you know, a big poppy is Dominican. 
not as a black baseball player, right? And that, right. and that's, and I think that's healthy. And at the same time, to your point, Lorraine, there might be some older people that don't want to learn. And I think at the same time, we were also your the struggle you experienced may have been academic. The fight, the the hard work you put in might have been educational and academic. Those were the hurdles you were going over. Where maybe for somebody else of a different race, they couldn't even get into the educational fight because there were other barriers of entry for them. And right. I think the barrier of entry for our parents, my parents' generation was the lack of information, the lack of understanding. And You're still a woman in science though. Okay, so let's just point that out. <laughs> You're, oh yeah, I'm not taking that. Like no, a, yeah, I didn't, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way, but I'm just speaking yeah, from, no, a, from a racial I conversation. Know, I, but the hurdles that, I mean, and I just think that it's, it's, a, it's just a really thing to consider. And, I, and I'm thinking of your comment about the melting pot. And I think, sure, as a nation, maybe we're closer to a melting pot, but community-wise, no. we are not. Yeah, sure, and, sure. and I know we live in New Hampshire, so it's not what other, but <laughs> even like the Midwest, it's, it's not. It's not a melting point. Uh, uh, yeah, well, no. you know, I think even in New Hampshire, though, we had this conversation on a, another call, like a regional call yesterday. I had this conversation, so weird that we're having it right now. But this idea that, that New Hampshire is not diverse I think there's diversity everywhere. It's just that sometimes we're not recognizing it and we're not even talking about it. And that's really the yeah. problem. Mm. So like, that's when I'm talking about this whole like race and systematic, you know, systemic issue and privilege. Like we're not thinking about the fact that like, you know, just cause I hang out with everyone in town is white that like I'm thinking there's nobody else in town, mm. right? That is experiencing this town in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, that's part, of, part of it. And are minorities represented at the same level in New Hampshire as they are maybe in other states? Probably not, but I don't know that the, the minority voice still has to be heard and recognized and paid, paid attention to. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> so, there are, and there are not, there's other minorities that right. are prevalent in New Hampshire. Right. I, will, I will be so proud to say that at my school, we had at least three or four kids in transition. And uh, like, I know that seems odd, but I think for me, that was, that was joyful because I, I know that there, we weren't perfect, but it was enough of a place mm. that we were able to allow kids to have that happen. And, um, and I think we are, we are starting to face a lot of those changes in schools and honestly don't think that our older generational teachers are ready to understand that. Yes. You know, I think that's the piece of sort of like, so there's, there's, well, we'll just talk about like a lot of this change. We need to really get into the schools and we need to like blow up the conversation. We need to talk about all the tough stuff and we need to stop making victims of our people in the community, like, or victimizing ourselves as teachers that like, oh, it's because of this and this and this and this, right? Like, we just have to like, let's get real about it. Um, but change is hard in yep. public systems, and specifically um, schools, right? And slow mm -hmm. because there's you know, opportunity to invite people like yourself to come in and talk and say, let's, let's grow our capacity in this lane. 
right? Mm. So that the community can be better. Um, not everybody's open to the conversation yet. No, no they're not. Um, that is that is absolutely true. There's a lot of fear in change. And as I've been developing this program and being remote, like there are mm. so many challenges. Why are we still working in a system of education? I wrote a post about this, that we're training every kid to be the same thing. Like we take standardized tests. Do all kids do well on the same standardized <laughs> tests? I, I would be surprised if we really admitted that that. Well, so, you know, that I was on the, I was like a, I was an administrator for the state of New Hampshire for that for a while. I don't know if you knew that for Smarter Balance. Oh yeah, like I was quality control and all this other stuff, not by choice and a trainer and sounds whatever. Great. It yep. was, yeah, not. it was awesome. Yeah, sounds great. No. Put me down and, for two. <laughs> and here's the real truth about our standardized testing practice in the United States. It has not proven to be um, fruitful or given us valuable, useful information about students and their learning or teachers and their teaching. Mm. It has not. So ultimately, anecdotal narrative notes from teachers, observation of students, conferences with students, growth over time, all of these things are what show us where kids are thriving, where kids need support, where teachers need support, right? If they're really so doing well. every year K through 12, when they wrote, Timmy needs to apply himself, that was actually a, that was a non-starter. That was a narrative, an yeah. anecdotal note from your teacher. Yeah. But the standardized tests, they, I mean, they keep funding them because they're trying to sort of make all of this very system, system, systemic, I can't speak, sure. and yeah. sort of, you know, programmatic. Um, and there's funding tied to it, which is such a bummer because it's proof, yeah. it's not proven to show anything. None of this. And if you're a data nerd, you have to have at least three years of data for a cohort over time to show growth over time. And they keep changing the test. We have not had the same test. So they can never three, get that bubble of you of never have. So the data for the last 15 years, what we would have in the data world is dirty data. Mm -hmm. None of it's clean. There it is. Yet we still keep wasting educational days and money on these tests. I, lo I love that yeah. you got to the whole standardized testing and what Lorraine was talking about. And, and, to some extent, you know, leaning into kids and their strengths. And uh, yeah. there's a, the guy that I watch online that I, I love his stuff, his name is Jay Shetty. He was, uh, he was actually a, a monk at one point. He just wrote a book uh, about it. And um, Jay Shetty's phenomenal. And he talked the other day, and I'm so guilty of this because our boys will get their report cards. And as mm -hmm. a dad, I skip over the A's. And I go to, you know, cause I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I remind them that, you know, uh, yeah, everything should be an A and all this kind of stuff. And I'll joke with them because the school system that they finished their K through eight in Stratford was, you know, one, two, and three on conduct and effort. And yeah. I'm like, if you, if you were rocking all those, the, the grades would follow. Um, it's so funny. We're all guilty of it. If you've got kids in school, you typically will go to look at the report card and you probably know where your kid plays well. And you look at the A's and maybe say it should be an A plus just to be a jerk because that's who I am. Uh, but then I'll skate right to the, the B minus or the C plus. And my kids do well in school, so we don't have to deal with the D's and the F's, which is delicious. Uh, unlike my folks, I, I love dealing with the D's sometimes. Um, that being said, I'll go to the C plus and the B minus and be like, what the hell's going on here? 
rather than and 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 you know and, and, and all I, the rest of the time you're doing a good job yeah, and then i should yeah i should be going back to i should be going back to the microfiche of my childhood yeah, right where i was like throwing up in chemistry class you're welcome yeah. you know and yeah <laughs> and, and and that was never gonna be my thing and, and do you see any bunsen burners here no i'm not breaking bad right like I, that's not my jam i, I was you're always artistic and not i was always frogs. artistic and not mathematic and and why we don't spend more time and and again i say this and i and i think somebody could be listening and saying oh he's all about the montessori school i don't get that myself either that's not my jammy jam <laughs> my I think kids went to montessori there needs to be a fence i think i feel i shouldn't say i think i feel i there needs to be some sort of direction you know so i at the same time finding the way to make sure that we are really hitting the button that they want to push as opposed to the standardized testing and yeah, how much and time, how much of the curriculum, and you guys can answer this for me and the rest of the civilians, how much time do you guys spend as educators tab A to slot B to make sure when the standardized tests come up that everybody under that roof is judged by both the teachers and the students when you could be doing other things that might be pouring into their true passions and, well, and feeding their souls as opposed to- I kind of want to go back to your thought about the report card, Tim, because mm. I, I, I wonder- um what message you're I feel like the state's gonna come get my kids now they're I know. No, right no, now. no 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 <laughs> no I just this is just something to reflect on but sure. when, when you say about this B minus or C plus you're you're sending the message that um failure is or not being good or not like it's not okay yeah. but really like I have learned through my experience that when I fail that's where I learn the most. And so I also try and tell my students that, you know, if you can get an A, what are you doing in here? You you shouldn't already, you shouldn't be in this class. Yeah, move to a smarter table. We say that all the time on coaching. Yeah, yep. right. If yep. you're right. the smartest person in the room, you're in the right room. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you fail that summative or you fail that test, then then you have to learn. You have to figure out what you, and, and that's the, like the, when we were mm. in high school, like there was no time to process that. It was like, we're moving on and we're trying. I think we're not there yet as no. like yeah. with the idea of reassessment, the idea mm. of trying to teach you that when you don't know it in the first part, that's where you're going to learn it. And that yeah. like the message is not there yet, but I think that is our intent because we have placed an awful lot of negative feelings on on failure mm. yeah and it gets in the way of progress right so yeah. it's that whole and I think that's what you know Tim and I are so excited about everyone that we talk to has failed a lot yeah, yeah. well and we talk about it every day it's, prog <laughs> it's progress it's progress over perfection yeah right yes. yet yet I take that hat off at, at at my at my at my workplace and I go home to be dad yeah and I'm chastising them over the b minus right and, 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 but this goes right back to our original conversation. This is the environment I grew up in. This is the way my yeah. parents judge my grades, right? So like, it, and that, that can play across our educational conversations, our conversation about race and sex and all these other things. Yeah. It's, it, it's a learned behavior. Yet why do, why do I treat, you know, ultimately people I feel responsible for at work as a coach differently than I 
coach my kids when I get home to be dad. And it should be the should be the same. I think we're done here. Check, please. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm yeah. Like, and Tim's like, I learned knew a lot this. today, Lorraine. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, I'm leaving before the chemistry starts. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, it's been great. Pledge. Been a pledge. Well, it's that whole fear, though, right? Like, yes. I think, you know, it's that fear of letting things unfold as they're going to unfold. And, you know, like how much pushing is too much pushing and, you know, what's not enough. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's as a parent, it's a totally different um, avenue. And mm. I, before we wrap, cause we're, we could talk to you, I think forever. I, know. I love this. It's so Maybe you fun. could just come back and we'll let us know. Well, honestly, yeah. Cause I, honestly, let's have you back in the future because I really want to drill down on, on, what you've built the framework of it and how yeah. other people in the community can get involved to maybe, you know, leverage you and that's expand awesome. your reach. Right. Because that's what this is all about. The I fact think. that you found your passion project within education and pouring into other avenues that are, that are hyper important because right now the separation of the distance learning, I mean, you know, even the way you were doing the, the, the classroom flip. Yeah. You know, and, and, and how has that changed now? Because the dynamic's so different because there is no in-person learning. They can't even come in and do the part they were doing at home in the past. Right. Right. They're doing so. it all at home. Yeah. 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 So um, in terms of, I think I just want to, well, I don't know. Should we just wrap it up? I think I'm so excited to hear about what you're doing and I would love to have you back and let us know. Um, you have a lot of things in the works. You have some opportunities for kids you have opportunities for teachers to get involved mm -hmm. and to learn and develop their own capacity as leaders um you know i think just another side note um through your work and doing this you discovered that um this this idea of leadership is a privilege that um on our public school report cards, you don't see a class for leadership, but mm -hmm. many, many private schools across the United States, yeah. it is a class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where can we find you online, Lorraine, so we can make sure that- Oh my, okay. Like so I, my website is definitely where you wanna go if you're interested in any of those leadership um, modules. And that's www.peers-not-peers fears.com. Mm -hmm. I'm on Twitter at lconnell20. Um, and I am on LinkedIn at Lorraine Connell. I am also on Facebook, peers, not fears. All right. We'll put Yay! All, that all the places. Yes. All the places. You're not on TikTok yet. Uh, I was on TikTok. That's what I thought. It was too much. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I think I did two weeks of a video every day. Um, but after that, I was like, oh, I cannot sustain all of these avenues. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, it yeah, is I, a lot. I, you need your own personal social media assistant. I, I that's a job. I absolutely it is a job. TikTok. It saved my quarantine. Um, <laughs> yeah, my wife, we, we lay, we're laying in bed. And my wife's just like, you are a nutbag. The fact that you're just flipping through videos. <laughs> but I, I think it's. I don't know from a, yeah, it's not, it's not, it definitely lean back entertainment, right? It's lean back <laughs> yeah, content, not yeah. lean in. It's not inspire me to go do anything. There's another um, one. There's yeah, another yeah. one. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love it because I just find it wildly entertaining. And I think at the same time, there's so many different, uh, you get pulled in, right? Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. um, uh, they, they find out how you're voting. You get pulled into that thread. They find out that I have a wonderful slice in golf. I get pulled into a golf thread. <laughs> you get pulled in all these different wormholes and you start to see, 
clearly they're tracking you and all that kind of stuff. They know what you're looking at. And, and, and for that reason, uh, I think if somebody is struggling uh, back to the separation and what students are going through uh, with, with race and sexuality, if they, if they are struggling, I do think it can be a great force for good because I think it can Absolutely. be a place where people yeah, that would have never connected with somebody who's struggling you. the way they're struggling, they can find their people online. And oh, I love yeah. that. I think it's wildly entertaining. And I really do think in the grand scheme of things, it has been a force for good. It's my wife. I mean, I just sit there and laugh like a moron and she's like, I can't believe you're sitting. No, you're, I know. You're laying here, father too. of two, 49 years old. And I'm just like, swipe up, next video. Yeah, next Gwen video. did that. I, I posted a picture of Gwen looking at TikTok today and she mm. was just watching silly animal videos. Yep. Like she's homesick and she's in remote yep. and she's like, you know, laughing with her headphones on, yep. watching these little animal videos on TikTok. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, we, we, the other night it was like four videos in a row and it was all these people talking about ending their marriage. And Janina's like, is there something we should talk yeah, about? What's like, going I on? Know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Why are they targeting you? I'm not talking to you. Yeah, we're sitting here in silence. Maybe they see something coming. Maybe, right? maybe. Yeah. Hey, oh, Tim, what what are your, what ages are your children? Uh, my boys. Uh, so Aiden is 15. He's a sophomore. And Cameron is 14. He's a freshman. Oh, they are at the right age to do that leadership module. You should. Absolutely. You should check it out and do it with them because I think you would learn a lot and, and they could teach you. And I think there's nothing better than doing something together. Yeah, I think, I, and three of us will join hands and tap out when we get to the chemistry module. I'm yeah, just being honest. Honesty is the, the best policy, yes. No, no, I mean, it does get hard. I mean, <laughs> it's just not chemistry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's hard to listen. It really is. And, yeah. and hard to make mistakes and say, Oh yeah, I, I did that. So yeah, it's going to be hard, but you don't have to like blow anything up, even though I know that's the fun part. Actually, though, yeah. Yeah. Now you're ruining it. Yeah. I was going to put on a hazmat suit and a beekeeper's hat and get yeah. right in there. If know? it was yeah. just labs all the time, I would have done great. My chemistry teacher in high school no, would no. tell my mom, she's very smart, but she does, she does not listen during class. Yeah. <laughs> The elemental Because I would be like, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the labs, I was like all over it. Let's do this. You know, yeah, maybe that'll, that'll be my TikTok channel. It'll be breaking dad. It'll be me and the boys just blowing stuff off at the house. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Magnesium. That's the a wife really good love one. It. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Lorraine, You're thank you so much thank for your you. time. We'll definitely have you back. We want to talk about uh, your foundation good a little bit more. We're going to post all the and really thank you for like being my first podcast because this was like I think probably a dream of mine I don't know how or when You're, I would get on one but this is like you've uh, been on a podcast check yeah. it off the list yeah and now, and now you just push play and do it yourself that's all yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. all right uh, thank you so much awesome bye. thank you so much we'll talk to you soon bye-bye